This is Mort. By allowing such a mining operation in Australia, uh, we would end up damaging the most important river system to the largest and most important state of Australia. Hartley Henna Orange, uh, with a combination of green in uh, slightly patchwork fashion. So I had green and orange hair. Um, and at the time, um, I was most well known for going around in an old, slightly short, ill-fitting, bright blue dressing gown with bright yellow buttons that I used to wear around as my um, outside coat. Mord, that's M-O-R-D-D, isn't his real name. It's his online persona and the pen name he uses for his online writing. It was a piece he wrote for the Riot Act that brought him to my attention. It was called How Not to Get Scammed on Tinder. But more on that later. Welcome to Love Canberra, a show about love, sex and relationships here in the heart of the nation. I'm Ivana Ho. Maud is 34 years old. He identifies as an independent journalist working under the banner of Indie Media. Maud favours black as a sartorial choice and he loves his ageing cat Cindy, named after the singer, but not by him. At the point when I started recording, Maud was offering me dating advice. Butting my eyelashes and... You know, kind of um, no, you know, top a, down to show some cleavage or something. I don't know. Like, no, you what, don't, what would, no not necessarily. Just smiling a lot helps. Laughing. I was, I was smiling and joking. friendly. We but, were talking about you know, something that had happened to me the day before, an encounter that I'd had with a cute guy at JB Hi-Fi. Yes, it's not easy for women to, to, to approach men, but it's no easier for men to approach women. And I think in, in, a, in, a, in a modern society, in, in, the, in the age that we live in, I don't think it's down to either sex to have to approach the other one anymore. I think it's up to both sexes to to do it if they're interested in someone. I could understand what Maud was saying, but it didn't feel right that I should be the one to put myself out there, having received no signs that the JB Hi-Fi guy was keen on me. Furthermore, the most recent time when I'd made the first move, it backfired in a way that made me reluctant to do it again. Now, it wasn't about being rejected and having my ego bruised. It went to the notion of how, in today's society, men and women are supposed to be equal and that how a courtship unfolds is supposed to happen the same way, regardless of whether it's the guy or the girl who takes the initiative. But that didn't happen with me. I'd given my number to a guy and suggested we catch up for coffee. Instead the guy hit me up for a booty call. He didn't have to go through the motions of taking me out and wooing me because he knew I was already interested. He thought he had it in the bag. I told Maud all of this, and this is how he responded. (laughs) I'm not quite sure how to respond to that. Um, As the audience can't see, but you can, I was sitting there um, screwing up my face in in bewilderment as you were describing that to me. But um, that's one um, bad example of a guy who's obviously not um, worth uh, spending one iota of time on in the first place. But I don't think that the majority of men are like that. And I'm quite curious as to why you would think that 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 might be the case other than that one... Uh, experience that you've had you're going to come across jerks in life no matter what in your professional capacity in your personal capacity in your love life it doesn't matter there are jerks in this world and 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 that's just a fact we can't change that all we can do is do our best to avoid them as much as possible Um, but don't let the fact that there are some jerks in the world stop you from meeting all those wonderful amazing people that are out there that aren't jerks it'd be extremely sad if you missed out on opportunities to meet some really wonderful amazing guys who maybe have massive self-confidence issues and could never approach you themselves but if you approach them you could maybe end up in some amazing relationship potentially that you might miss out on all because you think that by you initiating interest that means that they're going to act like a jerk Um, because I don't think that's necessarily going to happen most of the time. 
one of the things I was going to say before is, you know, when it comes to this type of stuff, I'm much better at giving advice to other people than I am necessarily executing my own advice myself. But I think that that's something that a lot of people can, can, can say about things, that they're good at giving advice about to other people, but not always necessarily as good at executing that advice in, the, in, in their own lives. I mean, you know, you look at the classic example of, like, the guy who works in construction and home renovation who goes out and, you know, every single day builds beautiful houses for all these people but comes home and his own house is falling apart in disrepair. Yeah. You know, the stairs are falling down, the water heater, need, you know, is about to blow up and needs to be replaced and his wife's been nagging him for years to, you know, build her the wonderful kitchen that he builds for all his clients. But, you know, he's fantastic at giving advice to everyone else about, you know, exactly what they should be doing in their home. But, you know, when it comes to doing his own life, he can't follow any of his own, own advice. And, you know, I, you, know, I, you know, I have the same fallacies in that regard. Um, so is it? Conf- I'm, I'm not setting myself up as any type of a, you know, you know, love god or anything like that when it comes to love, sex, relationships, or you know, meeting and flirting with people. Um, but I, I, I have had a lot of opportunity, especially being bisexual and hanging out with everything from gay men to lesbians to bisexual people to polyamorous people to asexual people to transgender people to non-conformative non identifiable non-specific gender you know fluid identity you know etc um and how all those different type of people interact with each other and how they look for love how they look for relationships how they look for sex i think i've had enough opportunity in my life to observe a great deal about how people go about flirting with each other and meeting one another and and getting into relationships in in that I, i i think i've been able to pick up on a lot of you know important you know, elements when it comes to that. And I, and I can express those to other people in a way that's helpful for them, but that doesn't mean that I'm necessarily great at um, putting those same things into practice myself when it comes to the actual, you know, reality of me trying to meet, you, you know, people as well. But I guess it's not until I actually have the opportunity to actually articulate myself on these topics that I guess I kind of need this to remind myself that maybe I'm not necessarily as hopeless in love as, you know, my recent experiences have necessarily indicated, but I'm coming back into this after having spent 10 years basically studiously avoiding um, having even necessarily flirted with people in public for a very long time because I had no interest in in anything, in, in, you know, with another person for, for pretty much the past decade. I had no interest in, in sleeping with another person. I had no interest in dating another person. I had no interest in any of that. So for a very long time, I haven't even necessarily bothered flirting with people, in, um, you know, like I, like I used to do all the time when I was growing up. So... Um, does that make any sense? It does. <laughs> what changed for you 10 years ago? The main thing was that um, for the first time in my life, the partner I was with at the time cheated on me with someone who I was um, close friends with, who I'd introduced them to. And that was the first experience in my life of anyone actually cheating on me, um, that I know of anyway. And at that time, I was madly in love uh, with the person and I really thought that there was the potential for a really long term relationship with them and when I met this person I didn't immediately ask them out because I didn't want to dive straight into a relationship but they pressured me to start dating them because they were having major self-confidence issues at the time themselves and they really wanted to be in a relationship so I reluctantly agreed to start dating them much sooner than I was actually comfortable with and then over the course of the almost two months that we did date um, I helped them regain a lot of their own self-confidence. And by the time that we broke up, they were in a much better position than they'd been in when we first started dating. Um, so they kind of used me to kind of put themselves back together as a person and then discarded me when they were done with me, essentially. Um, so that completely destroyed my entire faith and conception of love relationships everything that I had at the time and was enough to make me resolutely very firmly and resolutely come to the conclusion that I should not be involved with anyone again until I had had a very long time to thoroughly look at who I was as a person and what I wanted in life and how I interacted with other people before trying to get involved with with anyone ever again and the major conclusion that I'd come to was that I could not tell the difference at that point in my life between being heavily attracted to someone between lust and between actually being genuinely in love
I don't know whether I've ever been genuinely in love with anyone in my life. Maybe I have, maybe I haven't. I can't tell myself. Um, I do know that there are periods where I thought that I was genuinely in love with people, but I don't know whether that was actually real or whether that was just youthful naivety when it comes down to it. At the time that I, I decided that I was going to you know, remove myself from the dating scene, etc., entirely, and not pursue anyone at all, and entirely reject anyone trying to pursue me. I didn't actually think that it would end up taking as long as it did. But after a few years of doing that and being completely celibate and not being involved with anyone, I became very comfortable with it. And I, after about five or six years, I was at the point where um, something potentially could have happened again if I'd met the right person. Um, but during that period of time, I hadn't actually met anyone that I was even remotely interested in, even in sleeping with, let alone dating, during that time. So um, I basically decided that um, I'd just maintain the status quo until I met someone again, whenever that was, that I was actually interested in. Some 10 years after his bad breakup, four or five years after his interest in sex and dating had returned, Maud met a girl in Civic whom he was attracted to. They slept together a couple of times, but it didn't go further than that. And Maud, he was fine. And that was enough to show him that the spell had been broken. Whereas before, he would fall for people quickly and confuse lust with love. This latest parting of ways induced no angst in him. He wasn't especially moved one way or the other. So are you saying that in the last 10 years you have only slept with that one other person who you met at the pub? Yep. So you're nodding there? Yes. Okay. Hmm. Does that surprise you that you were able to go that long being celibate? If you told me that as a teenager, I would have laughed you out the room because as a teenager I thought I was um, literally an infomaniac, um, but it turns out I was just a horny teenager like every other horny teenager out there. <laughs> I guess what it comes down to I had more than enough sex when I was a teenager to last me for that period of time so you know I, I don't think I've really missed out on a, on, on a whole lot and I've got um, I pre- presumably a long life left ahead of me still and plenty of opportunity to um, have as much sex as I want with as many people as I want and date as many people as I want so um, you know I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing that I you know remove myself from that for a period of time um, especially if it means that I've been able to grow and mature enough as a person that it means that um, I could actually potentially be in a relationship with another person without it being extremely damaging um, for me At this point in the conversation we started talking about Maud's sexuality I asked him how long he's known that he's bisexual Since I was a teenager like, is that early teens or late teens? Oh, 16. Uh, after my dad came out as being gay, I moved to Sydney with him and I started going out a lot on Oxford Street in the gay scene there. And I quite quickly worked out that I was definitely attracted to men. Um, and for a very short period of time, like, you know, weeks, not even months, I thought that I might have been gay. Um, but I very quickly worked out that, um, if anything, I was just trying to emulate dad or the people that I was hanging out with that I saw around me. And I very quickly came to the conclusion that I was still very attracted to women. I still found women very attractive. I just definitely still wanted to have sex with women. Um, but I also found men attractive, and I was happy having sex with men as well. So it didn't take me very long to figure out that, well, I definitely wasn't straight. That was, that was very certain. I definitely wasn't gay. That was very certain. Um, so the question was, what was I? Um, well, obviously, you know, the term, you know, bisexual, you know, was in common lexicon by then so I was able to figure out okay I'm bisexual but uh, as to what that actually meant um, you know for me and and my life um, figuring that part out wasn't so easy because even though the gay revolution was well underway in Australia and many other parts of the world at that time the bisexual revolution as such was not so much underway at that time Um, and even now is still only kind of coming to its kind of nascent phase that the you know, overall gay community has kind of already gone through 20 or 30 years ago now. 
um, you know, I think the bisexual community is kind of catching up now at this point, uh, maybe. Um, but it's still certainly not anywhere near as uh, uh, acceptable in society, I don't, I don't think, to be bisexual as it is to be gay or straight, although it's not looked upon as weirdly, I don't think, these days as it was 10 or 20 years ago. In many ways, that should make things easier, um, you know, for me. But, um, you know, as a naive teenager at 16 years old, um, did I really know what being a bisexual meant? <laughs> no. <laughs> took, me, took me quite a while to figure out. <laughs> Um, and that was just through not, not not even sheer dumb luck. You know, I just I, I figured things out on my own, like any you know, like any kid does by accident. It's not as if anyone came along and explained the concepts of bisexuality to me and how to live as a bisexual person or anything like that. Um, and I didn't really know anyone myself that was openly, you know, bisexual at that time that I could kind of go to and you know get advice from or anything like that. I knew plenty of gay men. I knew plenty of uh, gay women. Um, uh, I knew plenty of straight men, I knew plenty of straight women, but other than that, not really. So you mentioned that in your teens, when you were realising that you were bisexual, you said that the gay revolution was happening, but Mm -hmm. uh, there wasn't a parallel bisexual revolution occurring. Yeah. So what was the response of the people around you then um, when you were revealing that you were bisexual? I've experienced homophobia from both the heterosexual community and from the homosexual community in equal measures during my life. Um, maybe not to quite as an extent in the homosexual community, but there are certainly plenty of homosexual people, especially gay men, who um, are quite uh, offended or horrified um, by the idea that a man could be attracted to women at all and, and think that... Um, bisexual guys are just as disgusting as heterosexual guys are when it comes down to it because you sleep with women um there are a lot of um gay men who for whatever reason just like there are a lot of um gay women who for whatever reason find the opposite sex to not only be unattractive but to actually be quite disgusting icky you know horrible gross um you know not something that they want anything to do with whatsoever um my dad was definitely one of those gay men he wasn't just not attracted to women he found women to be um quite disgusting you know the thought of you know licking out a pussy for example would have him um falling apart it was squeamishness at the you know you know the concept of such a thing just like for a lot of heterosexual guys the thought of a guy giving head to another guy is enough to make them you know, destroy their tiny little brains and their concept of the entire world around them. But your father um, was married to your mother at one point, and they had you. Plenty um, of gay, among other. Plenty of children. gay men were married at one point in the last hundred years and had children, but that doesn't change the fact that they were gay and always and always were. Um, I don't I don't know very much about my parents' sex life, and I don't want to know very much about my parents' sex life. But I have enough intelligence to surmise that obviously my parents slept together on at least four occasions, probably not a whole lot more than that. Um, and I know enough from what Dad has told me that he never really enjoyed it and he just thought about men. Um, and I know enough to know that my mum was attracted to my dad and wanted sex from him but didn't really get it very much. And so um, neither of them really wanted to... Well, mum wanted to sleep with dad, but dad didn't want to sleep with mum. So neither of them ended up very satisfied overall. Um, and that was just one of the many factors that um, ended their relationship. Um, but it's hardly uncommon for... Um, gay men these days to be to have been to be divorced with kids that's very normal um, in today's society it won't be as normal in 50 or 100 years time anymore because um, these days if you grow up as a as a, as a gay teenager um, you know you, it, you're not likely anymore to end up in a situation where because of societal pressures you end up marrying a woman and trying to have kids and be heterosexual because that's what society tells you so you know, this is a phenomenon that's only a short-lasting phenomenon in our society, but at the moment it's still extremely common to have gay guys in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s who are divorced and have children. You mentioned before about the guy that you met on Tinder, I mean, on Grinder, mm. and how you wanted to catch up with him for a drink first before, yes. and to see if you got along before um, sleeping with him. Does that mean that you wouldn't sleep with someone who you didn't feel that you had that kind of intellectual compatibility with? 
No, not at all. Because in regards to this guy on Grinder, um, the intellectual com compatibility wasn't even a consideration. I thought it was extremely hot. Um, and I was happy to sleep with him on uh, pretty much on that basis alone. But I still want to judge someone's personality before I jump into bed with them. I need I need to know are they are they aggressive? Are they passive? Um, are they are they nice? Are they dominant? Are they submissive? You know, there are lots of different you know questions that I'd I'd like to know before I'm willing to get naked with someone. That might only take half an hour or forty five minutes of talking to someone to figure out. And then I probably would have been quite happy to um, jump into bed with him. But um, without the opportunity to figure that out in the first place, well, no, I'm, you know, I'm not going to potentially get naked with some psycho who's going to tie me up and beat me with a stick and then rob me and leave me tied to the bed for the police to find me or something. You know, God knows what. So, um, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not fucking stupid. So you said that you found him really attractive. Yes. He was a hot firefighter. He fit the stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your type then? Like no, not at all. But I've been watching a lot of um, uh, a lot of uh, uh, what's the show? Um, uh, uh, Chicago Fire recently, uh, which is a, which, which is a, a, an American uh, sitcom based around firefighters. Um, they also have uh, American, uh, sorry, Chicago PD and Chicago Med, which is about police officers and uh, medical officers in the hospital. So they've got kind of the the, the emergency services covered. But um, hey, look, you know. There's, there's something naturally sexy about someone in uniform. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, can acknowledge that. So what is your type generally then in men and in women? That's entirely two different answers. Well, you can, you can answer one <laughs> and then the other if you like. Um, I'm probably a little bit more superficial when it comes to men than I am when it comes to women. Um... In general, I'm more likely to want to sleep with women on a longer-term basis. With men, I'm more happy to have shorter-term basis or one-night stand encounters um, than necessarily with, with women. I guess in some ways, there's a part of me that likes having sex with women a little bit more than I like having sex with men, but it's very hard to kind of separate like that because it's nowhere near that simple in, when it comes down to it in reality. Um, you know, I do like sleeping with men but for different reasons than I like sleeping with women I guess what it comes down to is that I'm extremely attracted to breasts and I'm also extremely attracted to cock um, so in some ways I've always wondered whether my ideal mate would be um, a hermaphrodite female who also had male genitalia um, maybe that is actually my ideal sexual partner because it would give me the best of both worlds but I don't know I've never experienced that so I can't say but um, I don't know with men I'm looking for a certain element of physical attractiveness they've got to be a kind of you know uh, a generally I guess somewhat athleticy type of build I don't like people who are too uh, big in general I don't necessarily mean fat I also mean like over overdeveloped over muscly or just very large people in general i don't like a guy that's like you know super bulked super ripped you know looks like he almost does steroids to get you know that type of muscle definition that's a turn off for me um but by the same token you know all those women out there with surgically enhanced breasts is just as much of a turn off with females for me because i think that um that fake boobs are just as unattractive as you know extremely overly muscly roided you know type looking guys that to me is an artificial attractiveness that is a complete turn off for me i don't find find that attractive at all um uh but at the same time i also like someone who looks like they are healthy and take care of their body um you know like most people you know, um you know do you like red-headed women with women i'm very attracted to redheads yes that's true um more so for some reason than other um, hair colours, I don't know why. I can't justify it. It's just the way it is. But not red-headed men? No. <laughs> no, I'm not very attracted to gingers, to be honest. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't work across the sexes like that for some reason. While most of Maud's past relationships have been with women, he now puts his odds of ending up in a long-term relationship with a woman at about 60-40. At least... 
That's what he initially said. A moment later, he reconsidered. He decided the odds were probably about even. The past 10 years of celibacy have had the effect of shaking his dating etch-a-sketch clean, and he now has to rediscover what he likes and who he likes. Here's something you would observe of Maud if you were to hang out with him, as I did across a couple of occasions. He has a tendency to consume more stimulants than your average person in a short span of time. During our recording session, he had two short blacks with lots of sugar, a Red Bull, Coke, and he went through one rolly cigarette after another. That relates to my uh, mental health issues because I'm bipolar, which is otherwise known as manic depressive. Um, and uh, stimulants such as cigarettes or caffeine uh, is a common turn to for me to make myself feel better or feel stimulated, which is where I most naturally feel comfortable as a person. Maud has both bipolar disorder and anxiety disorder. I had glimpsed the manic part of his illness in the form of rapid or pressurised speech, as the literature calls it. And when he talked... His hand chopped at the air in front of him, generating wind that hit the mic now and then. But his anxiety disorder hadn't been given expression during the times we were together. Maybe because I'm better at hiding that particular aspect. I mean, you haven't seen the days in between since we last met where I've woken up and haven't been able to get out of bed um, to even make myself a coffee and check my email um, because... At that particular day I've woken up and I've woken up in just such a state um, of you know anxiety, depression, etc. that um, the, the thought of even just getting out of bed and jumping in the shower is far too much for me to contemplate dealing with and all I can do is, is, is just lie in bed and, uh, and, just, and just do nothing. So, um, you know, most people don't see me at the times when, you know, the anxiety is, is at its worst. But, um, and thanks to... Um, you know, medication and lifestyle changes, uh, it has slowly been getting a little bit better and a little bit more manageable. But there are certainly still, you know, examples like I might be lining up at the post office and I might be queuing for 20 minutes, you know, at the post office to get a parcel because there's a lot of people, you know, in line at the post office. And for some reason, the anxiety will just kick in. And uh, a common experience for me is that I've ended up having to sit down on the ground in the queue despite getting weird looks from everyone else in the queue, is looking at me going, why is that guy sitting on the ground? Because that's the only way in that particular moment that I can cope with remaining in that situation and not walking out and having to come back an entirely different time uh, because of the anxiety that I'm, you know, that, you know, that I'm feeling in that moment. Um, so, you know, it can, it, it can, it can come out in at, at unexpected times and unexpected ways and you might and you you might have been dealing with your anxiety fine half an hour ago and all of a sudden something triggers it and and all of a sudden you're having a massive anxiety attack so you know it's not it's not entirely predictable um right so it does kind of hit you out of nowhere and and you don't really know what it is that will trigger it i have bad days and i have good days i have days where i'm able to get a lot done i have days where i struggle to get fuck all done um, I have no way of predicting which day is going to be which before it happens. Um, I, I made plans with a good friend of mine to catch up for coffee this week. That particular day, even though for about the 10 days preceding that, I'd had a bunch of really good days in a row, that particular day I woke up. And for whatever reason, that was actually a really bad day for me. I was in a terrible mood. I was experiencing crippling anxiety. And I, I, I just felt very out of sorts, very off, very both mentally unwell and physically unwell that day. Um, and I wasn't able to get anything done. And I ended up having to contact my friend and say, I'm terribly sorry I wasn't able to meet you. But I today just turned out to be a really bad day for me. And um, he was fine with that. He knows what I'm like. And he tried messaging me earlier in the day and saying, are we still catching up for coffee? Because he didn't hear back from me. He presumed that I wasn't able to meet him for whatever reason and hadn't been able to get back to him. So he just simply went home after work and that, and that was fine. That was So no skin off his nose. He didn't go out of his way. He wasn't waiting around for me to turn up or anything like that. Um, but, you know, we actually ended up having a bit of a conversation about the fact that, um, you know, for people like me, it does rely on our friends and family understanding that sometimes 
that's just what it's like. And that means that sometimes it makes it difficult for you to keep up with certain social commitments that you make, for example. And I might have every intention to go out and meet someone for coffee, but in that particular moment, I might be experiencing something that makes it completely impossible for me to be able to fulfill that. Um, and you just have to rely on people being sympathetic um, to that. When it comes to things like employers and relationships, um, that that makes it a little bit more difficult. Um, but at the end of the day, again, you just have to hope that if you explain yourself, that the your, either your employer or the person that you might have just started dating will be understanding towards your situation and 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 sympathetic towards it. And if they're not, then Unfortunately, that means that you may end up having to find a, a different job with an employer who is more supportive or a different potential person to date who isn't as much of a fuckwit and is supportive or whatever. When it comes to telling someone he's interested in about his mental illness and at what point of their interaction he'll reveal that information, he says it depends on how quickly he gauges whether he can trust the person. I am a very upfront person, so to a certain extent... I may tell someone a lot earlier than might be normal just to see how they'll react to it um, so that I can figure out earlier on as to whether it's worth investing my time into or not. Um, other times I may hold my cards back entirely and, and not reveal for a very long period of, of, of time that that's, that's the case. Um, you know, you don't go around, you know, with a flashing neon sign on your head saying, I have a mental illness. So, you know, it's not something you necessarily talk about unless there's a reason to talk about it. But again, it's not something that I'm necessarily ashamed of or try to hide. But um, there's a lot of stigma in society around having a mental illness, even in today's society. So, um, you know, um, my current employer is not aware of my mental health status. Um if I had to, I would make them aware, but I would probably need to involve my doctor in the union in that, um, in that process if I had to. Have you tended to have fairly understanding or sympathetic responses in revealing that information? Or, like, or have some people taken it badly and said, you know, oh no, I don't think I can, I can deal with that, I'm sorry. That's impossible to answer. I only knew that I was bipolar from the age of 27. Right, okay. So I've, I've never had to right. reveal to a potential date that I have mental illnesses because for a long time I didn't know I had mental illnesses. Okay, no, I didn't realise that. So I, 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 don't, I can't answer that. I've ne- I, I, I don't know. I've, I, I haven't had to do that yet. Um, and there's only a couple of people that I've... Well, there's only a handful of people that I've become friends with in the, in the past few years... Um, that I wasn't friends with beforehand, and I've, those people are aware of my mental illness. Some of those people I met because I was seeking treatment for my mental illness, and they had mental illnesses of their own, and that's how I met them. So telling those people wasn't at all difficult. Um, um, and the other couple of people that I've met that I didn't meet because of mental illness in the first place, um, I've ended up becoming good friends with them and been able to tell them, like the person that I was meeting for coffee, you know, just the other day that I wasn't able to meet. Um, but I haven't actually tried to date anyone um, in that time since I since I knew. So I haven't had to figure that out yet. Um, so I've I've got no idea. I just hope that when it comes to it, my instincts will guide me as best as they can. Um, Is that something that you're that worries you? Are you worried about that point when you will have to tell them and how that person might react? A little bit, but, but not really, because at the end of the day, um, if someone's going to judge me harshly on that basis, they're not someone that I want to have anything to do with really in the first place. So, um, you know, is it something I'm nervous about? Yeah, but is it something that, you know, concerns me? Not really. I certainly don't stay up awake at night worrying about it or anything like that. Um, at the end of the day, there are a lot of fuckwits and jerks in the world, so... You know, if someone's going to judge me harshly because I have a mental illness, well, not someone I want to have anything to do with and they can go fuck themselves as far as I'm concerned. So, at the end of the day, I'll just keep living my life. You know, I've, 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 I've learnt to survive in a very 
bigoted, discriminatory world and society. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll continue to do so, you know. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger, as they say. The world was a very different place 10 years ago when Maud was last on the dating scene. 10 years ago, people were largely still meeting other people in real life. 10 years ago, OkCupid was in its infancy and Tinder didn't exist. A few months ago, Maud joined the masses and sought to see what Tinder was all about. He diligently completed his profile and uploaded a few photos. That's what I like to think is one of the better photos anyone's ever taken of me. I don't think that I, that I generally take very good photos. Okay. Maybe it's the light or something, but... That was actually taken by a professional photographer as well, who does okay. photography for a living um, as, as, as his job. He's an independent uh, photographer. Yeah. Um, which is why I think that one possibly, I think I look a lot better in that one than... Um, that one was captured when I had no idea the photo was being captured. And generally the only good photos I find of me are ones taken when I've got no idea the photo has actually been taken. If I try and pose for a photo, I look like a complete schmutz, pretty much. Um, but that photo was taken when I was in the middle of doing something else, had no idea that I was being photographed. And it's just, as, as you can see, it's a side-on profile, um, which is, so it's a little bit different to just a standard you know, full, full face on. But I think that captured me in a very natural look. Um, so I, 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 I like that photo because I think it's a, it, it's a good representation of me just being me without actually trying to, you know, pose for a photograph because I, 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 I'm hopeless at posing for photographs. Okay. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's because um, in the time that I've caught up with you, we've mostly just been like face to face. So I get like the portrait shot and also because I've only caught up with you at night. And so I'm not used to seeing you with like, you know, natural light. <laughs> On your face. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, 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 if I were to look at that for long enough, I'd go, okay, that is you. But in some senses, I don't really recognise you in that photo. I don't know. It's kind of hard for me to reconcile. So if, if you saw that you in your that. Tinder, would you swipe left or right? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Like, Come on. My Come on. You've asked me all these <laughs> questions. It's only fair. Tell your audience, would you swipe left or right on that? <laughs> I don't know. Be, be honest. I don't know. Really you, come on, you, you, you can see my bio as well. Yeah. So it's so it's not just a profile that comes up where you can only judge it off a photo. As you can see, I've actually put in. Uh... Oh, hold on. Sorry, it's not actually showing my bio there. You have to go. Um... Hold on. Um... Even after a few minutes of clicking on this and that, Moore didn't manage to find the text for his bio. He also forgot to hold me to an answer on whether I would swipe right on him. I think I said, I'm interested in politics, philosophy, and activism, I think. And then it said, um, I'm a goth at heart, and something else which I just forget off the top of my head. And I also had in there, I'm bisexual and proud. Um, because I wanted to be quite open about that from the moment that someone looked at my profile on, on a platform like this. So that um, Because to be honest, I'm sick of meeting people of either sex who are turned off by the fact that I'm bisexual. So I, didn't, so I wanted to get that out there from the very beginning so that if someone didn't like that, they would swipe left on me to start with and I wouldn't even have to deal with dealing with their stupid biases in the first place. Um, so there was enough basic information that you could get a little bit of an idea as to my sexuality and some of the general things that I, general topics that I find interesting. And then, as you can see, you've got the other 98 things that I've liked on Facebook that have shown up through the, through the app. So, um, you know, if someone was actually curious and they thought, oh yeah, he looks okay, I want to know more, they do actually have a fairly large amount of things to judge off from that in order to decide whether they would be someone they're interested or not. For two and a bit weeks, Maud swiped left and right. He landed some matches and exchanged messages with those people, both guys and gals. One of the guys was a fireman Maud had talked about earlier on. So that's Mr. Fireman. Wow. Nice. Very nice. Okay, and mm -hmm. he doesn't have any bio, as you can see. 
Um, but he does have just over 1,200 Instagram photos that I can look, browse through if I wanted to. And he's got a cat as well. Yes, apparently so. Or pictures of a cat anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was Mr. Feynman. And as you can see from the conversation, well, if I just scroll through in general, you can kind of see that a lot of his messages to me are not only very short, but keep trying to bring the conversation back to one thing only, which is that he wanted to get laid, and that was pretty much all that was on his mind. Um, And as you can see, I kept trying to engage him otherwise, including... Eh? Yeah. Do you mind if I read out this message? Uh, okay, no, you can read that out. That's fine. Okay. (laughs) So you said, takes more than a hot body to turn me on. Show me you have a joy mind as well, and I can be very versatile. That should have said hot mind. That's a misspelling. Ah, okay. Show me you have a hot mind as well, and I can be very versatile. But like I said, I'm not a slut. I have standards. Oh, yes, I see. And And below you've corrected it to say hot mind. Yeah. After we'd finished looking at the hot firefighter, Maud showed me the profile. It was the profile of the girl that led him to writing the Right Act article that led me to him. This is the girl that scanned me. Wow, okay. So she's a great deal younger than I thought she'd be. Well, she looks young. Well, the picture that they are using uh, is, is what we should say. Looks a little bit younger, yes, but... Um, whether that's actually even a real person or not, I have no idea, and I'm not even going to try and guess. Uh, but chances are um, that that's just a picture that they've stolen off Google image searches or something. So, mm. so she's a young, pretty brunette with blue eyes mm-hmm. and braces in one picture, and no braces in the other pictures. And and she says that she's 29 and that she's 159 kilometers away. Yes. And she's got no information. No in bio, her bio again. Okay. Which isn't that unusual for Tinder, as I discovered. Um, from my personal experience, only about twenty-five percent of all users actually bothered putting a bio in on their profile. Um, so you swipe right on the basis of her image. Yeah, which is pretty much all you've got to judge on on, on Tinder anyway. Um, I don't know how other people do it, but generally, I would swipe left or right on the basis of the way they looked. Then if I got a match, then I would look at the rest of their profile before I decided to message them. But I don't think many people actually bother going into each profile and looking over it in detail before swiping left or right. That takes a lot of effort and makes it a very slow process. I think most people would just do what I do and just swipe left or right based on the the look, the first photo that comes up, and only then look further if, if they actually get a match. Here's the conversation that Maud and the brunette girl had. Okay, so I told her I thought she had a cute smile. She told me that I'm adorable. Um, I told her that she's sweet. I said, so I'm in Canberra. Um, It tells me you're 159 kilometres away. Um, Do you mind me asking uh, where that is? Uh, She responded that the app is kind of boring, but that at least I'm on here. Um, I said that I haven't gotten a ton of replies myself either. Um... I said that a lot of people on here seem to be really snobby. Um, she responded, I might delete my account soon. Can you Skype me? I don't want to lose contact. I said, I haven't used Skype in a while, but I can download it again. Do you use Facebook Messenger? Um, she responded, her Skype is, well, Munchkin221, uh, as is on the, the article that's on Riot Act. Um, I then basically said, okay, I, I'm now downloading it and that I'm installing it. Um, I then had trouble finding her username because I'd misspelled it slightly. I'd left out one of the three ends in the username. So it took me a moment to to find it uh, because I couldn't find her at first. So I said, oh, I'm having trouble finding your profile. Um, And the last message I said was, oh, wait, I think I found it. And that's where the conversation on Tinder ends and it goes on on there from on Skype. So... You found her on Skype, and then what happened after that? She very quickly turned the conversation very sexual and started telling me what she was supposedly interested in sexually and asking me what I was interested in um, sexually. The conversation continued like that for another five or ten minutes. She then said, um, I want to meet up, like now. 
and said, all you need to do is just go to this website and verify your age for me so that I know you're over 18. Which, in hindsight, does seem kind of a little bit silly because I don't think from my photos that you'd think that I was under 18 anyway, but anyway. And so, yeah, that's how I ended up getting scammed, pretty right. much. Right, so you clicked on the link and what happened when you went through to that website? Well, I, I checked the website out. It clearly proclaimed itself as being an age verification service that simply used credit card to verify someone's age. Um, I checked the terms and conditions that were visible on the site and it clearly specified that um, no charge was made to your credit card, that your credit card details were only used to verify your age, um, that a small holding charge would be made on your card um, and then reversed as, as part of the process which is what is otherwise known as an auth charge and is a very common thing in banking finance to do. Um, for example, when you go to a bar and you give them your credit card for a tab, they'll generally do something like put $100 or $200 or whatever auth on your card that reserves that money. And then when you go to pay up, they will reverse the auth and then charge you the actual amount that, you'd, that you've actually spent. Maud says that he typed in his credit card details and that as soon as he hit the submit button, he was directed to a porn website. That was the, the moment that I instantly realised what was going on. So I didn't send her another message until I had worked out what had just happened. And the message that I sent her was pretty much along the lines of, well, congratulations, my credit card is now, has now been cancelled by my bank, so good luck with that. Uh, and I will be reporting you to... Um, Tinder and Skype and Facebook so you better start creating a new fake profile um, to keep scamming people because the one you're using at the moment is going to be shut down momentarily pretty much it was pretty much the contents of the message um, that was it I just wanted to let her know that um, I'd caught her out and I guess maybe tip her off that um, she just scammed the wrong person and um, that uh, things were about to get a little bit more difficult for their little operation than maybe they had been for them up to that point. Mm. Um, so it seems like you realised immediately then what had happened. Mm -hmm. As soon as the porn website loaded, I knew I, I, I knew something 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 was amiss. That was a that was a screaming, flashing alarm right in front of my face. There was no legitimate reason that a free age verification service should have redirected to a porn website on entering your credit card details in. So I instantly suspected that something something was wrong, um, and a quick phone call to my bank confirmed exactly what that the fact that I'd just been billed forty dollars US for membership to a porn website. I'm surprised it was only forty dollars. You know, like it seems as though if they'd only have that one shot at scamming you, that they wouldn't go for broke. You know, and like charge at least $100 or something, you know, like $40 seems kind of low for, for that sort of thing. Not necessarily, because um, for one thing, the larger amount you do, the more likely it is to get rejected for lack of funds. The larger amount you do, the more likely it is to get flagged as potentially fraudulent. And the larger amount you do, the more likely you are to attract the attention of law enforcement or banking regulatory authorities who want to look into your, um, you know, illegal practices. So by keeping it small, it makes it easier for their operation to, um, to continue, you know, without, you know, you know, interference, and makes it less likely for the victims to want to, you know, take proper action about it afterwards, uh, because the amount is small enough that enough people may be willing to just let it go and not do anything about it because of their embarrassment about it. You know, because the amount's small enough that they think, oh, well, I can live with losing losing that small amount as long as I don't have to reveal to anyone the fact that I was, you know, scammed on a dating platform or something. All up, Maud had spent maybe half an hour talking to the girl who had scammed him. Consequently, he hadn't developed any kind of emotional connection with her and the scam didn't leave him feeling betrayed or hurt. Instead, he says, he was pissed off. What Maud did next is detailed in his article on the Riot Act. In short, he wrote to the porn website he was redirected to and demanded a refund. He tried to find out as much as he could about the girl, if she even was a girl, and he reported her to Tinder and Amazon. 
Amazon Web Services being the host for the fake age verification website he'd visited. After all that, I asked if the experience had turned Maud off online dating. Not in general, but it's given me a scepticism over the latest um, incarnation of online dating, which is the app-based dating, which is very much just based upon superficialities of how someone looks as opposed to anything else. If I was going to try online dating again, I would use one of the online dating websites that allows you to create detailed profiles and uses, you know, you know, algorithmic, you know, matching, um, you know, type services to, to, to match potential users up with one, with one another. Um, but because all these sites require anywhere from 20 to $50 a month to actually be a member of these services and use them properly, I would have to spend a very large amount of time doing a lot of research into which particular website I thought would be best for me to use in the first place. Um, to be honest, I think a lot of the online dating services have turned into a bit of a, uh, an extortion, if anything else, these days. But um, again, there, look, there may be new ones out there that, don't, that aren't as expensive or don't require a, you know, a fee that you are still able to do more on and talk to people and make people, I don't know. But um, at this stage, I'm not going to go and spend um, hours of my time looking into it you know to figure it out so for the moment i'll just leave online dating alone i guess um and meet people in real life yeah <laughs> love canberra is written and produced by me ivana ho the intro and outro music is by proletar the interstitial music is courtesy of Poddington Bear. Listeners, I want to hear from you. Hit me up on Twitter at lovecbrpodcast or write to me at lovecamberapodcast at gmail.com. But most importantly, tell your friends, tell your dog, tell all the people you swipe right on about the show. On the next episode of Love Canberra, there would be times, you know, when it would be easier um, if we lived closer together. Definitely, especially like if you're missing the other person, or for instance, Nathan is having surgery on his shoulder next week, and I can't be there for it just because of the way I have exams and physically driving down three hours and then driving all the way back. It just won't work out. Um, so it's it's hard not being able to be there for those sort of things. But I think overall, um, we just accept that it that it is the way it is and hope that in the future it might be a little bit different. That's next time on Love, Canberra. Thanks for listening. Canberra.